<laughs> Didn't see that coming. I was going to be dark set there. Oh, that would be a good one, Kelly. Dang, I want to change it now. Or White Rabbit. No, we'll go with this. No, not White Rabbit. Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for... Uh, you know what? I have uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. The Great and Powerful Oz. <laughs> That's so, how you're supposed you to say it. Wait, Oz, Oz the Great and Powerful? Yeah. Oz the Okay, yeah, that's excellent. what this podcast is for. Yes. Thank you for the thank you for the help. So Oz the Great and Powerful. Thanks for the assist, Kelly Wand. I am Tom Chick and I am here with Christian Malinsky. It's pronounced Canuck. And with an Oz the Great and Powerful tagline, Kelly Wand. Y'all got a flying monkey in y'all. <laughs> Crossing the streams with last week's movie. Yeah. Punishing those who didn't listen to the last Exorcism 2 podcast. Uh, Kelly, when you were asking me about a trailer before we started recording, let's let's briefly talk trailers because I did let myself watch one trailer that I was kind of blown away by. Holy cats, that great Gatsby trailer? Jeez, a Pete. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Man. I mean, I, it came on. I was like, "Yeah, should I close my eyes?" Yeah, you know, it's Boz Larman. I know what I'm going to get. I'll just sit here and enjoy a brief music video starring Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Mich- or actually, it's Carrie Mulligan, isn't it? Carrie Mulligan, uh, some various other people, and this really crazy cover of that Turtles song, "Happy Together." Oh, that's so weird! Isn't that a weird cover? It, it's just weirdly like appropriate. It totally like I. I'm dying to see that now. I couldn't and it starts less. with that that great uh, that other song. Um, I forget what the name of that song is, but it's a modern song. It's a really cool song. Uh, it's kind of a hip hoppy song, and then it transitions into that turtle song. It's such a weird choice. It's a really a great looking trailer. But Dingus, are we supposed to uh, look askance at a period movie that uses modern music? Do you feel a little? Uh, it's Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, good point. That is kind of his shtick, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm a Marie Antoinette apologist, so no. <laughs> yeah, but that's Sofia Coppola. We can yeah. pretty, pretty much anything. Bob Foreman, yeah. Well, actually, Dingus is even kind of a Moulin Rouge apologist. I am too. I like Moulin Rouge. Uh, I feel like I don't know you guys anymore. I, I'm not crazy about Moulin Rouge, but I love uh, Ewan McGregor and and, his, and that uh, this is your song uh, version that he does. Yeah, uh, you know what, Dingus, quit selling. Dingus, quit bringing me around to your opinion. <laughs> Sorry. There's no songs in Great Gatsby, though. Does Baz Luhrmann know that, that it's not a musical novel? Or even a novel. It's super short. I only read it last year. Remember, Tom? And I, know, I don't even like but That's them. the thing, too. I don't even like Great Gatsby. No, right? it's good. You no, know, it's, it's, if you read it in high school... It's minor what? Fitzgerald. Oh, what's major? Tender is the Night. So. Well, he hasn't written anything major yet. <laughs> Maybe they'll unearth something. It's a good rookie effort. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I, man, I, when does that open? Do we know? Uh, is that is it previews of it forever? So yes, in answer. Well, to I, I am now going back into preview blackout. I, I want to forget everything I saw because uh, you know if you read the book, which you did, then right. you can watch the trailer because no, like, no, no. Well, no, I disagree, Kelly Wan. Just because, especially with someone like Boz Lerman, like it, the visual realization of the stuff, I kind of wished I hadn't seen it. But I was just so captivated by the trailer, I couldn't like stop watching it. So I remember I was reading it, and you go, "You're, you're going to like where it goes." <laughs> it was exactly what you put it. <laughs> when I finished it all, yep, Tom was right. Uh, okay, so here's another trailer I watched. 
I was aghast at how this started. There's nothing that could make me want to watch a movie less than having these two sort of vacant 20-something supposedly good-looking actors, I guess. I couldn't tell. They were just standing up in front of a wall, and one of them's like, hello, I'm Ian Bartholomew. And the other one's like, hi, I'm Jared Holmes. Or there were some names like that. Uh, and here's our special insider look at the host. <laughs> Oh, it's like two actors from that movie who I'd never heard of. Who I mean, they looked like they were from some kind of grunge band or something. I was like, who are these guys? Why are they introducing my trailer? Uh, and then the trailer started. Uh, did you guys the, see that one? You didn't get that? The Korean movie? No, no, Dingus. No, it's the Stephanie Meyer. No, it's the Twilight woman. The woman who wrote the Twilight novels. It's her. It's some kind of science fiction thing with Saoirse Ronan and someone else. Um, Aliens possess their eyes and make glacial blue. No, no, that's because they've been uh, eating spice. <gasps> oh! Uh, and then also... Oh, wait, I forgot to tell you. Yes, she yes, was here. What's that chick's name? The author? Stephanie Meyer? Stephanie Meyer or Meyer? in Vancouver. Wait, I've got to tell you this. Uh, on Monday night, and I didn't know that, and I had her sign an Anne Rice novel. And I pretended I was really bad. <laughs> On purpose? Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful, Kelly Wand. Which one? Kelly Wand, you, you're my hero. Yeah, day. which one? You I want to the porn ones. I know there's... Yeah, you got to get her to... What is it? A.R. Roquelaire? <laughs> I should have known Dingus would have the whole set. <laughs> Isn't that her nom de plume for the for her... Uh... Yeah, anyway, go ahead. Which one? Why does Dingus know that, Kelly Wand? I think he's read them. <laughs> he said it all French-like. Yeah, it's like he's used to saying it out loud in his book guess. club or something. <laughs> Don't, uh, anyway. Uh, and then here's another thing. So before, so I sit through at my freaking theater, I sit through like eight trailers or whatever, and then, you know, the lights go down the rest of the way so the real movie can start, and up comes Michelle Williams standing in front of a big old great and powerful Oz poster saying, hello, welcome to the regal screening of Oz the Great and Powerful, please enjoy this featurette, which includes footage from the Hollywood premiere. Uh, <laughs> it, was the, it was the trailer intercut with actors. Walking. Like, basically, Yeah, exactly. Walking and saying quick things to the camera about the movie. I mean, I didn't watch any of it because I was about to watch the movie. But they showed the trailer for the movie before the actual movie with freaking premiere footage. Uh, which can't escape it. can't escape, Tom. It's like a tornado. Oh. That's terrible. Why the fuck would you want to watch that? That's what, see, this is what happens when marketing runs things. Right, right, right. So, same ring. So, anyway, that was our trailer experience. But, Dingus, what was our uh, actual experience this week? <laughs> it, it was not about trailers. All right. So, this week we saw Oz the Great and Powerful, mm. a 2013 American fantasy adventure spiritual prequel movie about a carnival magician who gets caught in some bad weather. It was directed by Sam Raimi and written by Mitchell Kapner and David Lindsay, a bear, based on L. Frank Baum's novels, of course. It stars James Franco, Tony Cox, Joey King, Zach Braff, Michelle Williams, and Rachel Weisz. Uh, uh, the Great and Powerful is rated PG for sequences of action and scary images and brief mild language <laughs> what what was the mild language it's different every week i always hear something i've never heard before <laughs> somebody says really. damn are you Ooh. serious yeah there's one damn in the movie when they're blocking oh. the water off spoiler <laughs> terrible 
Oh, God, that's not a spoiler. It was a bad joke. I mistook it for a spoiler. Jeez, Kelly Wand. Bad jokes aren't spoilers. Uh, all right, so Oz, Great and Powerful uh, opened at number one this weekend. And not only did it open at number one, it did gangbusters. It was a huge number one. Um, $80 million opening weekend. <sighs> huge. Why are you going, oh, Kelly Wand, we should be happy. No, I'm just impressed. Why would you well, be impressed? No, I said impressed. I impressed, right? Uh, well, it uh, let's let's though look at how it did critically on Metacritic, which averages the ratings from reviews that use some sort of a numerical rating. Oz the Great and Powerful is at forty-five out of a hundred. What? Yeah, how about that? Huh. On Rotten Tomatoes, which is the average, which is the the percentage of reviews that are positive. I'm actually looking at this and wondering if, if I wrote the wrong number. But I apparently at some point looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes and wrote down that it's 60% positive reviews. I think I have that right. I normally 16, 48. 45. Uh, yeah. So, so Kelly Wan, if you were to poll just on average 100 critics and say, hey, should I go see Oz Great and Powerful? 60 of those would say, yeah, go, go check it out, Kelly Wand. I liked it. You should see it. And the other 45 would say don't see it. You're adding way extra. Oh, you're, you're adding five too many critics. Do yes. I have to ask them individually, or can I just table, like canvas the whole group? You can just hold forth in front of the room mm. and ask them. Do like show of hands. When movies make a shitload of money, but critics hate it, I notice the the actors always say, "We made it for the fans." <laughs> that's what they said after Fantastic Four, and I thought, oh, that's a good way to look at it. You didn't that's make it. For. Who it was for? Okay, yeah. I was wondering while watching. It's for people who are going to like it no matter how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly Wand, uh, why don't you... Um, Wait. Yes, Kelly Wand. I, I guess you did do it. Did what? I did like, do my math. Yes, I, ha- I have discharged my responsibility of there. calculating numbers and math. <laughs> mm. uh, so, Kelly Wand, it is now your turn. Why don't you give us a, language. Great, a great and powerful opsis? That's that not what it's called. called. No? no. An Ozopsis? An Ozpis? Uh, Oz the Great and Powerfupsis? <laughs> Simplex 10. I like the sound of this already. All right, I want to hear this, Kaliwand. Drive it like you stole it. Fly it like a balloon down a windsock. That's not part of it, by the way. I don't I think that's what a windsock is, but, but yes, carry on. Oz is the great and powerful. James Franco is young, handsome, and clever, so he works in a traveling black and white circus. The sleeves of his jacket may be scuffed and filled with dove poop, but he has his own hot air balloon or flying circus tent. His fluffer is Ray Romano. While stitching up his codpiece, Ray Romano's all, We're friends, right? Franco's all, Nope. Thomas Edison and Harry Houdini, those are my idols. I want to electrocute an elephant, then make it disappear. Sidebar, some girl told me he plays a mobster on General Hospital. His character's name, Franco. Franco puts the moves on a brunette traveling circus groupie, Jamie Gertz, (laughs) who was in Twister, by the way. Now I just thought of another tornado movie. By handing her a music box and going, my grandma took this off a dead Chinaman during the war. So forget your ties here and wander around the country with me pretending to levitate. Sex with me will be similar. And now for my next trick, I'm going to make your virginity disappear. 
Gently, he pushes her down to her knees and begins unzipping. But Ray Romano shows up to cockblock him by saying he's got to pretend to do magic for the local yokels for a couple minutes. He goes into a tent full of hayseeds, unveils a deck of cards from his pocket, then sprays them all over the audience. Then he drags Jamie Gertz from the back row of the audience, brings her on stage, drapes her with a sheet, and snaps his fingers. Ray Romano turns a crank backstage, closing the curtains. Franco snaps his fingers again. Ray Romano opens the curtains, revealing Jamie Gertz is there, but now the sheet's gone. Applauding himself with the golf clap, Franco yawns and takes a bow. Okay, show's over, folks. There's nothing here to see. Please exit the tent through the back or by cutting a hole in it. A little crippled girl with cute grime on her face sitting in the front row and who, along with her parents, has never been to a magic show church or hospital ever before, goes, Use your powers to help me walk, governor. (laughs) Also, my dad needs a million dollars and make all the trees into lollipops. Did Rich Greenhill hear that accent? Franco's all, uh, I can't make you walk, but I can help you stand, which is kind of like walking, but slower. He raises her to her feet, whips out a bottle of glue, puts some on the soles of her shoes, staples them to the dirt, slaps some dust onto her back, and goes, there. You might want to let that set for a couple weeks. I think this is 1904. He goes back to his dressing tent. Ray Romano knocks and goes, uh, Michelle Williams is here, but we're running low on roofies. You want me to tell her you're dead? Frank goes, I'll bid her enter. Ray Romano opens the thing and lets Michelle Williams in. She's all, hi, Franco. I'm marrying John Gale. I guess you know who that is. If we have a daughter, I'm going to name her Dorothy. And if John and I die horribly, I'm going to have him raised by John's brother, Henry, and his wife, M, named after her favorite Peter Laurie character. Just FYI, he's all, oh, right. Chicka hooked up with in Topeka. Hey, heart wants with the blah, blah, something. We'll always have the whatevs. Outside, the circus strongman saw, He did what with my glue? Let me at him. Franco tramples Michelle Williams as he makes a dash for the hot air balloon, cuts the guy wires, and begins to drift away. So long, suckers. I'm off to find a circus without a strongman. Ray Romano chases after him with a 50-pound satchel and a top hat. You're going to need this stuff. He tosses the satchel up. Franco catches it with his neck. And this? He frisbees the top hat up to him. Franco catches his on his erection. And these? He turns around and spreads his buns. Franco's all, still not friends. Ray Romano's all, no worries. By the way, there's a tornado a couple feet behind you. The tornado blows Franco to Pandora and dumps him and his balloon in the saccharine lake of a magical pastel CG scape. He's all, that's weird. I thought we dreamed in black and white. Christina Ricci is there by the water's edge, doing nothing. She's all, look out for the trouser snakes. He's all, trouser snakes? A toothy piece of CG that can fly, but for some reason lives underwater, surfaces and pukes CG in his face. They should have called this movie Drag Me to Oz. He grins at Christina Ricci and hands her a music box. This was my grandma's. Pretty sure she'd want us to have sex, if you know what I mean. He winks. A growling piece of CG that's too awesome for Sam Raimi to even show us chases him into a cave. Frank goes all, I got this, and fires a dove out of his sleeve that the CG overtakes, kills, and eats in about half a second. But Franco's smiling, so it leaves. He grins again, kisses Christina Ricci's hand, and goes, that dove was also my grandmother's, my other one. She and I weren't that close. Christina Ricci's all, I'm in love with you. By the way, I'm a witch. My hat's from the 20s, but my pants are from the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) 
technically two spells. Let's walk to this place called the Emerald City and rule over it with my sister in accordance with the prophecy I won't bore you with. Yet. He's all a witch. Hey, you got a broom? She's all for what? He's all flying. She's all, we got primates for that. He's all, my name's Oscar Jingleheimer Norman Hebrew Stick Sr., but you can call me Oz, which, since it's also the name of your land, might get confusing. But what doesn't? They walk down a yellow CG road and encounter a flying monkey in a bellhop outfit that's entangled in purple rubber bands he claims are trying to eat him. Franco cuts these with a knife, so the unnamed monkey volunteers to be his porter and carry his luggage around for the rest of its life. They get to the Emerald City, where Christina Ricci's sister, Sean Young, shows him a throne and a shitload of CG pennies, and promises it can all be his if he just kills a woman he's never met. He's in. On their way out, Franco's all, Hey, look, it's that profane, black, possibly Puerto Rican little person from Bad Santa. <laughs> Since Tyrion's on TV now. The little person's all, my name's Fuck! Franco's all, listen, I'd love to bring you along on my murder mission, but we don't want to get too top-heavy with miniature sucking bananas. You saw The Hobbit. He sets out with just the monkey. They run into a paraplegic China doll girl who got wounded in a CG baboon attack we didn't get to see. He glues her gams back on, and she joins the lovable war party. <laughs> Tom likes it. They reach a spooky-looking forest, but Franco's all, don't worry, they're just trees in a Sam Raimi movie. What could go wrong? They reach a cemetery. <laughs> I was bummed there wasn't an Evil Dead preview before Oz. <laughs> Speaking of trailers. They reach a cemetery. Oz is mostly cemeteries and rubble. And trick the witch into setting down her wand by having the monkey perch in plain view and moo like a cow. <laughs> They had to diagram that plan out, too, with geometry. But when she removes her hood, she's blonde, so they give her the wand back. She's all, my name's Galadriel. I'm the non-wicked witch of the North. Frank goes, all thanks, but I'll call you Wanda or McLean. Hey, why were you wearing that sinister gray cloak and skulking around a graveyard? She's all, I don't know. More importantly, Sean Young killed my father, who was king or something. My mother's name and fate are irrelevant. I'm super powerful, but not really. Franco's all, wow, you look just like a chick in Kansas I was briefly into a couple times. And my monkey sounds like Ray Romano. But since I'm not dreaming, I guess it's just coincidence. Is the Witch of the South hot, too? Galadriel shrugs vaguely. They get chased by flying baboons, but Galadriel tricks them by summoning eagles and by the baboons forgetting they can fly. Meanwhile, back at the Emerald City, Sean Young was originally pissed off at Christina Ricci for bringing that oaf to the Emerald City, retcons his arrival as being part of her plan so she can turn her heartbroken sister into a green She-Hulk-like superweapon. <laughs> this clears up the tear scars on her cheeks. Guess she's immune to water now. Till the next movie. Did you watch Wizard of Oz? Yeah, oh, we'll talk about that. Oh, we will talk about that. Oh, you watched it. I can't wait. Tom's first viewing. Was it of Oz at age 90 million? <laughs> Though her sister just tricked her into becoming hideous, Christina Ricci diverts her rage to Franco and slakes her thirst for vengeance by adopting his flying broom non sequitur. Then she makes him dance like a marionette. Then she goes back to the Emerald City and evilly waits for him to raise an army and attack her. <laughs> Galadriel points Franco, her secretary of war, and all the townspeople as his lackeys. Franco's all, okay, CG besiege craft, here we go. Uh, let's see, baboons. Uh, I know they don't like telepods. China girls all, 
I don't know from baboons, but witch wise, why don't we just drop a fucking Kansas farmhouse on her ass and crush her to death? Because <laughs> <laughs> see, that was like that attack. All right, monkeys all. Hey, since water melts them, should we maybe consider moisture-based CG? What's his name's all? My name's Fuck. Franco's all. Farmhouse is water and fucking. That's all you guys can come up with? Look, people, this is a fantasy island, not a love boat. Ergo, we got to use science-flavored CG. He opens his satchel, gets out the key to his underwear, unlocks it, and triumphantly extracts the same book J.K. Rowling used in Dark Skies. It says, three or four traveling circus magic tricks and how to use them in battle against witchcraft, every man's journey. Tom. <laughs> A montage or two later, they launch their invasion. Galadriel aptly takes a page from Kate Blanchett's playbook in Robin Hood and promptly loses her wand again and <laughs> captures two minutes into the battle. Although the enemy are- You know what, Kelly, you're, you're actually not doing much other than telling us what you saw. I know. I mean, and, and I'm enjoying it, but... I, I, the movie did the real work this week. Yeah, there's very little embellishment here, which... Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Made me $80 million. You're welcome, slaves, say the screenwriters. Screamwriters. Although the enemy army is advancing through the deadly poppy fields unscathed, Sean Young still sends her baboon army down to eviscerate them. But the army turns out to be scarecrows on wires. The baboons inhale extra deep whiffs of the poppies and die en masse. En masse? En masse. Like they no still would have. No moss. Hey, no moss. Uh, like they still would have done against flesh and blood opponents. Franco recovers the remains of his balloon from the lake, repairs it at great expense, then Conan-style sends it crashing and on fire into the midst of the crowd. Then he sets off some fireworks and says stuff so the witches give up and leave. To celebrate, Franco distributes gifts to the handful of survivors. Little guy from Bad Santa, technically you didn't do much, but whack Bruce Campbell in the face with a cane, so I made this for you. He gives him a popsicle, popsicle stick with some teeth drawn on it. The little guy saw my name's Buck! <laughs> Frank goes all bellhop monkey with no name I give you my friendship although you'll still be expected to carry my valise and the laws of primogenitor still apply with regard to any daughters she might have somewhere down the line the monkey's all that's all the human me ever wanted Frank goes all China girl I give you uh, this he gestures at nothing attendance at this meeting I guess she's all wow I thought the monkey got screwed <laughs> <laughs> he fixed her legs before they even leave, so it's not like they... Anyway, Franco takes Galadriel's hand and goes, I've saved the best gift for last. He takes her behind the curtain and gently shoves her to her knees. He's all, you know, I've learned a lot about myself during this crazy journey and grown into the stand-up dude who will someday send a young girl from my own hometown and possibly sharing my DNA on a suicide mission. What do you think? Oh, uh, don't talk with your mouth full. <laughs> the end. Uh, all right, I uh, never, you know, I, so watching Wizard of Oz, I think I must have seen it as a kid because a lot of it looks so familiar in a way that was more than just osmosis. So I, I'm pretty Get sure it? I no. Oh, uh, osmo- geez, Kelly Wand, very good. Uh, so uh, I, I, Wizard of Oz, the original, what? What? You don't like it? It's creepy, man. It's that's all it is. It's just creepy and nothing else. Wait, like midgets and that? weird dudes in costumes and and just it, no, it was just like weird and creepy and I 
didn't enjoy it, and what did the, these goofy awesome. songs? Oh, the midgets it, are creepy. The songs are creepy. Dorothy's creepy. Toto's not creepy though. Toto's cool. Toto was the best thing about that movie. So I was watching during the dance scenes. That little dog is like getting underfoot, and I kept worrying someone's yeah. going to step on that thing. Someone did. It, like they fucked up a couple dogs by accident. I read. Are so. you serious? Yeah. Oh. I know. Well, and even Judy Garland, I mean, I don't, I'd never seen her in anything before. I didn't know who she was. So watching her in this, I was, I mean, it's all this kind of G. Willikers earnestness that I, I just didn't understand her appeal. And I, I don't understand why people would like that movie. Uh, we listen to Dark Side of the Moon while you watched it. I guess maybe that's what you're supposed to do, but. Uh, you didn't like the creepiness. I'm surprised because you no, like creepy. It's not supposed like to be. Dark Skies. It's Dark Skies, but set on an island. What? For kids. Well, I guess so, but man, I wouldn't want to show that to any kid. That Oh, they need that. They'll freak them out. They'll always remember. Did you see how Star Wars ripped it off when they like steal the stormtrooper thing? Well, oh uh, yeah, I guess so. And I was thinking of like the Scarecrow is kind of like the C three PO at times because they rip him apart and it's supposed to be funny. And I just I don't I don't get it. And I. I mean, it was a chore to sit and wait through to the end. I'm kind of glad I did because I thought it was kind of cool that the wizard briefly talks about his backstory and then, oh, I'm going to go see that in a little bit. And, you know, you know, because the wizard does say to Dorothy, hey, I came here on a balloon from Kansas. Um, right. Which you think would spark more conversation between them. <laughs> well, apparently, since he seems to have known her parents. Yes. Yeah. On what level, though? They don't well, that's that's who that's who uh, Elizabeth or not Elizabeth uh, Michelle Williams is when she first comes in she, she's isn't her last name is Gale and she's going to marry John Gale so that's going to be Dorothy's mm-hmm. parents right isn't yeah that- but in the movie Wizard of Oz it's all a bullshit dream right, right exactly right and that's another thing so oh th- none of this happened right none of what had none a prequel of- to another dream. And, and not only did none of it happen, Dorothy didn't do anything in the movie. She only accidentally kills two witches, but it was like by accidentally splashing one of them in the house. She doesn't have anything to do with where the house falls. Uh, all she does is she's basically just kind of nice to people. Toto is more proactive and yeah. just more daring feats than Dorothy does. It's Toto's story. He does Every plot point is Toto-based. In that movie. <laughs> I, I guess I kind of like the woman playing the Wicked Witch, just... You know, she seemed kind of interesting at times, but I, I just didn't get it. I don't understand. Dingus, can you defend Wizard of Oz other than Kelly Wan telling me that it's supposed to be creepy? <laughs> sure, I can. I, I watched it. Uh, tw- I watched it twice with my son on and purpose. For kids. No, accidentally. We meant to be watching the, the Somewhere Over the Rainbow or the, seen the Under the Rainbow. Yeah, Under the Rainbow with all those Chase dudes. and Princess. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Wait, what, uh, why, is, why is Wizard of Oz anything other than like creepy and dated? <laughs> it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. What the heck are you talking about? It's it's charming. It's hilarious. Charming. Wow. Uh, like some of it's, some of it's dumb. That that the song that the lion sings right before they go into the uh, wizard's chambers is really dopey. It feels like okay, we got a pad. Why don't you sing a song about being a king? Uh, that's weird. Okay, you know what, Dingus? I will grant if you can, because oftentimes I'll forget. If you can actually tell me one thing in Wizard of Oz that is indeed hilarious, I will concede that maybe I was too. Lollipop Guild. 
that your name isn't Dingus Kelly Wand. Uh, And no, that was doubly creepy. Who were those weird? They were like the real tough bruiser midgets. I was like, who are these dudes? Why is their hair like that? And what is the deal with this lollipop? And where does it go? Because Dorothy loses track of it. Dingus, tell me one thing that's hilarious in Wizard of Oz. Maybe I've forgotten something, but what's something that you thought was hilarious? Uh, Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It's hilarious. Okay, I love here's, that. Here's, and when, no, when me, he's cranking up the machine and he and he right. does the take and he sees them back there and he, he just keeps going and keeps talking right. and he looks back yeah. and he does it again. I love here's that. Here's what I'll give you. I don't know about hilarious, but I will grant you that that's iconic. Like it's a great moment, uh, and certainly it's famous. I guess there's a reason that it's famous, <laughs> but uh, I guess by Tom that grudges the fame. <laughs> the 1930s movie. And are you supposed to watch that movie and think, wow, Judy Garland is awesome? Like, am I just missing something? Is that really, like, is it just that there's so much baggage about her after the fact that you kind of appreciate seeing her all kind of, like, young and innocent like that? Or is is she, like, actually good and you enjoy watching her in that? Is it just me? She's to- genuinely freaked out, which is how, how – so she's she's filling in for you, the viewer. Like, what the fuck? I guess so. A what? With my what? Slippers what? She does get lucky a lot. That's her character. Uh-huh. I mean, well, Dingus, so you watched this with your son. Does this mean you took your son to see uh, uh, Great and Powerful Oz the Great and Powerful? Yes, of course. Ooh, there were times I was watching and I was thinking, oh, I hope Dingus didn't take his son. That's too intense for, for little kids. You know, after he, uh, since he survived Brave, uh, there was nothing really in Oz that, that he found difficult. In fact, he, he ended up really liking it. Uh, had a couple of funny comments during it, I thought, um, and the things that the thing that he liked most about it, I thought was funny too. So, so he liked it. He liked the movie. All right, well, I want to hear what he's pretty easy actually. Okay, I want to hear what he liked the most about it. But first, all right. So, Wizard of Oz, Tom Chick doesn't get it. Kelly Wan's a defender for for reasons of his creepiness. Dingus thinks it's act, actually hilarious and charming. So that's where we stand on Wizard of Oz. That said, having all of us now seen Oz, Great and Powerful. Ooh, man. So. <laughs> See, you didn't like the, the Wizard of Oz, so you're not going to like something that's kind of lamer. Than well, that. here's the thing. You're right. I didn't like Wizard of Oz, but once I heard that guy say, oh, I came here from Kansas on a balloon, I was like, okay, you know what? Sam Raimi, let's see what you're going to do as a prequel to this weird, creepy thing that I'm sure not enjoying. I, I was really open to and, – and, and I will say this, by the way. Also iconic, the moment where Dorothy opens the door and everything's in color – Man, that's amazing. See? Yeah. Uh, it should have been silent. <laughs> or it should have been silent and black and white and then sound and color. Well, I just remember, I mean, and, that, and I think back, you know, was it 39? Like, I think, man, when people saw that, they must have lost their freaking minds. Uh. That must have been awesome back in the day. So that bit in Wizard of Oz. So at any rate, you know, I'm like, okay, so I don't like this movie. It doesn't work for me, whatever. Uh, but I want to I want to find out the backstory about this dude. I want to see what Sam Raimi can do. So I was really open to, to maybe being into this Oz great and powerful thing. So I didn't come. I don't think that my not digging on and being completely alienated by Wizard of Oz necessarily influenced what I was going to think of Oz great and powerful. Um, so uh-huh. that said, Kelly Wan, why don't you give us first, give us your little thumbnail uh, reaction to Sam Raimi's Oz the Great and Powerful. I like the books a lot. I read a bunch of the books, too. And they're, Dorothy makes a little more, she's a little more proactive in those. Okay. But they're kind of interesting. Like, she takes Uncle Henry and Aunt Em to Oz because they keep bitching about the mortgage. And there's another good one where you find out the Tin Woodsman, he used to be human, but... 
a witch was a dick to him and he kept cutting off his body parts and then he goes and meets the old body parts and he finds that he used to be a real dick you know, like he hates his old human self that's kind of trippy right no. I would I would I, yeah that sounds to me I could see that uh, springing from the mind of whoever thought up Wizard of Oz sure <laughs> and Scarecrow's the king of Oz by the way <laughs> he runs it because he has a brain but you know what I was enjoying Oz the Great and Powerful okay. a surprising amount until about they got to the Emerald City and then there was that one scene where the witches just talk by themselves like normal people and James Franco's not in the scene Mm-hmm. And then it just becomes a fucking Army of Darkness sieging movie. City. <laughs> and then by the end, it was depressed. But in the books, there's all these consistent rules. Like, it's surrounded by a desert. So the Gnome King, who's like the Joker of the Oz mythos, he has to tunnel under it. So there's like more thought to it than you get in the movie. And they're going to uh, be sequels, is, apparently. Uh, well, they are now, given how, how well it opened. Uh, are Is Oz Great and Powerful one of the books, Kelly Wand? Is this a yeah, direct... Well. This is all nothing. And I don't get prequels anyway. I don't understand. It's either shit we already know or we don't care about every time. And this, I think, I didn't like the uh, Oz Great Power because by the end I didn't feel like I'd seen Oz. Like, I remember when we saw the Alice in Wonderland movie, like, the the thing I liked about it was it did kind of feel like the book a little. I know we get into the source material thing, but just, like, this looked like Avatar's thought. Like, it just looked like stuff left over from Avatar and not like its own. Because in, in the books, they're all like different colored countries. Like one of them's red. I don't know. Oh, hence Emerald City. I presume that one's green. Well, in the first book, it turns out everyone's just wearing glasses and it's not emerald, but then I think he forgot about that because then later on it's super green. But like all the gold's yellow. And whose gold is that? Never mind. All right. Uh, all right, so uh, Dingus, Kelly Wand, was with it for a while, uh, was depressed uh, by the time it was over. Uh, so, Dingus, first tell us, what was your... You, you were going to say something about one of your son's observations. Uh, his... Uh, oh, let's see, what happened? Well, his favorite part of the movie... Should I say that? Sure. Um, and this is how he described it. His favorite part of the movie was when the flying baboons went womp. <laughs> and uh, we interpreted that as... To like mean the death scene. When, in, the, in the field of poppies. When, ah. they, when they go womp. That's how he put it. See tactics, Tom. Yes. I, I think it speaks volumes, though, that that's his favorite part. You know that that's what he thinks of when the monkeys fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, they die. <laughs> Don't they? Uh, okay, I'll I'll, I'll 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 take anything to add a little darkness to that that's that gaudy splash of of movie that I just sat through. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so Dingus, that's your son's take on it. Uh, what's your take on it? Having recently seen and being a a an apologist for Wizard of Oz, uh, what's your take on Oz Great and Powerful? Well, I really liked reading the Tolkien books. <laughs> oh, I get, I get what you're doing. Like it's the high. It isn't no, like, it's not. nothing. Like, oh, okay. Just you're when just... you asked Kelly Wan for his observation, he started talking about books for something. Oh, oh I know. I wanted to talk like my baggage coming into the movie was different from. Oh, your people's. baggage. Well, I just thought the movie was nice. It didn't really do anything. I mean, it was it was nice. It looked okay. It was. I liked some of the stuff they did with. Uh, I thought the uh, black and white aspect ratio was cute. Although the reveal does not hold a candle to the reveal you're talking about at the door. And, and that and to me is one of the first. Si- sorry, yeah. Now to me, Dingus was one of the first signs that Ramy has no idea what he's doing here. I mean, to 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 squander. If you're going to make a nod to in moments from the first movie enough so that he's going to get whisked there by a tornado uh, and do some same kind of tornado-y tricks. How can you flub 
you know, what's arguably the most powerful part of Wizard of Oz by just having him peer up over the edge of a balloon. What? Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, the good thing was I was nervous that it was just going to go because it goes black. Uh, it goes to darkness when he you know, right. lands. And I was nervous that it was just going to come back up color. But at least they showed some kind of reveal. But, yeah, you're right. That, that moment at the door is so clever and so breathtaking that uh, that when it happens and, you know, why, why are you going to bother with an aspect ratio and black and white change to the color movie if you're not going to do something really breathtaking for us? Because what he seems to be doing is just relying on what Kelly Wan said, remainders from Avatar and things that are going to look cool in 3D, which is most of what that tornado is about and most of what wandering through those gigantic flowers seems to be about, which is too bad. Um, other than that, there's a, there's a couple of actors I liked in it. Uh, I, freaking loved joey king um her who's joey uh, king she's the girl who did the voice for chi- the china girl and i loved that little character i just love that little character um what do i do we know joey king from anything dingus oh geez i i'm not really i don't think okay um there I did i looked up a couple of things that she was in i just don't remember her necessarily from them uh, she was in The Dark Knight Rises. I have no idea who, who the heck she was in that. Nice. Maybe uh, one of the kids of... Uh... On the school bus on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Looking out the window of the school bus. Very back. She was in Battle Los Angeles. And there's one other one that you've talked about. Uh, Quarantine, I think, or Rec. No, not Rec. Which is the American one? Quarantine. Quarantine, Quarantine. Right, right. I think she was in Quarantine, but I have no idea. I didn't see that movie. Uh, but I love that little character. Uh, but other than that, I think the movie's just nice. And it doesn't really do anything. It feels like it takes forever to get anywhere. Uh, you were being so kind to it, Dingus. I think that's what happens when you see it when, with your son who really liked it. Because I, 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 there was nothing nice about this thing to me. I just This thing was so flat and without energy. And I felt like 90% of this movie was watching an actor, sometimes in pairs, the actors would walk around in front of green screen, kind of ill at ease and not really comfortable or with any sense of focus. I mean, this, this to me, I mean, this, the freaking Star Wars prequels had more energy than this thing to me. Ooh. I know. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Because so much of this really did feel like just, you know, it's a dude in a room and there's a bunch of CG behind him that they put in after the fact. And he's really uh, bad at looking at it. I mean, he's not only looking at it, Dingus, but when he has to pick up a couple of people, when they pick up like the little China doll girl, there is no sense of like weight or grip. You know, it's it's almost like normally when that happens, you give the actor a prop with green screen so that they can actually touch it and interact with it. And it's like here, they couldn't even they didn't even do that. They just said, OK, James, pretend you're picking up something. Uh, and then they draw it in there. And that just looked that was so distracting to me. I mean, not even good CG is the point is that. I, I, it just there's, there's just so lifeless, and so much of Oz too felt lifeless to me. You know, yeah. early on in the Emerald City, when he's I think walking with Rachel Weisz talking, it's like the Emerald City, and it's it's nothing. They're just in front of a green screen, and they're yeah. painting the city. There's no people there, and then later on they roll out some extras that are appropriately multi-ethnic, and I was just so distracted by That's just how too. I, I mean, there was no sense of place or perspective yeah. here. It was it's just, let's cram some people here. And even then, it just felt empty and lifeless to me. Um, so, Dingus, when you say nice, I was just, I, I just, I, I mean, that's... that's he means nice like waxworks, not nice. Like, and there's certainly no sense of nice. wonder from, no. from James Franco, 
when he's now oh, when he's God. happening upon places like Chinatown, ha ha, um, he, or when he's on that parapet or on those walls talking to uh, Evanora, and there this he's come from Kansas, <laughs> from this magic's real. It's all black and white, and he's he's on the top of a castle, and he's just sort of like, yeah, well, do I get the riches or not? What yeah, I, I really want that gold as opposed to all these green buildings in front of me. <laughs> and I want I want a sense of wonder, other than you know that stuff at the beginning when he's in the water and he says, "Is this heaven?" and and he's really just happy that whatever bargain he struck with God or whoever uh, came through. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what what he's doing. I mean, in a sense, I kind of like his, uh, you know, used car salesman stoner kind of thing that he's doing. I mean, that's fine. Oz isn't supposed to be in this particular movie this huge dark villain. He's supposed to be this guy who is kind of mediocre who finds who stumbles upon a way to help these people. I guess that's who he's supposed to be. And James Franco's fine with that. I don't need a lot, but I would like a sense of wonder from him because that's what – he's supposed to be us teleported into this amazing world. Right, right. Um, Dingus, you singled out the China doll, and I would agree with you. That, that was the closest I came to actually enjoying a scene in the movie, and that's when he discovers the little China doll. I immediately flashed to this stop-motion animation done by this uh, – this, this, these Czech brothers called the Brothers Quay. Yeah. And I, I, when that China doll came up, I was like, oh, that is awesome. And it's kind of grim, and her leg is broken off. And, and I, I was loving that. And I was like, okay, I, the rest of this movie's sucking, but here's a character I'm really going to get into. And then she immediately becomes the little wacky, sassy kind of yeah. sidekick. And all of that sense of sort of like, like darkness and this mystical porcelain doll creature was just gone. And she might as well have been the same as the stupid monkey with the bellhop hat. Um, I was just so disappointed that, that all of that went by the wayside because she looked awesome. And you're right, Dingus, about the voice actress. She did seem to have a little bit of energy and some sense of investment. Um, but I just felt like the movie squandered what could have been this cool character there. Um, and and they also, really do take the take any sense of of danger and stakes out of her when they when they turn her into a Shrek character all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. When she, yeah. when she kicks him in the shin. And then she's like, okay, let's go. Do, 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 do. Right. Uh, all of a sudden, you're just, you're not worried anymore that, that this should be the most dangerous world in the world. In the world? This should be such a dangerous world for her. I mean, when she flies up, catch me, catch me, I'm not right. afraid for her. Right. Oh, it's, that's so annoying. And up until that point, I was just so, I was loving her. And, and she was the first character he actually looked at that I thought, he's looking at her. And part of that is that they used an actual puppet for a lot of that, or a marionette, or, or some sort of physical representation that he could actually focus on. Um, but I, I got a sense of who she was. I'm glad you said that, Tom, but you're right. When they transition out into the into the journey, she just becomes a, a wacky little sidekick. Yeah. And, and here's another uh, bit where they could have had a cool character, and in this case, I thought a lot of the problem was the actress. Uh, I kind of liked the, the idea of Mila Kunis's arc, is going from the, the jilted woman to the, the wicked witch. Because I had just finished watching, you know, she was the most memorable thing to me in the, the original Wizard of Oz. Uh, by the way, is that actress famous? Like, would I recognize her name if I heard it? Margaret Who played? Hamilton? I do know that name. Okay, yeah, sure. No, yeah. So Margaret Hamilton was so memorable. Uh, so it's kind of an origin story about her. I didn't realize I was going to get that. But I really wanted to like that. 
But Mila Kunis was not up to it. That whole, you know, she looked like Jim Carrey in The Mask. Like, what the heck was that? That just made no sense, and it didn't work for me. Uh, and every now and then, Mila Kunis has to, like, yell something and, and be enraged, and she can't carry it. It, uh, it was just way too much for her to do. But I, I wanted to like that concept of how the Wicked Witch came about and how be- she became as freaky-looking as she was and how she got her broom and, and all of that stuff. You know, I wanted to be into that, I, but it just... Because it was different studios, they had to, they had to constantly, like... They couldn't make her green at first, I read somewhere. They had to change the shade of green. Yeah. What do you think they had to come about? up with something called Theo Stein. Wait, are you talking about, about on Margaret Hamilton or on Mila Kunis? Mila Kunis. How would it make sense the other way? They wouldn't have to change it in the past. Because Warner Brothers owns the right. Disney Disney couldn't use ruby slippers. They couldn't really show the swirl of the, of the Yellow Brick Road properly. And so they also had to change the actual shade of her makeup. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. They couldn't match Margaret Hamilton's green, right. you're saying. Right. Oh. Mila Kunis is even more screwed. It's kind of like Zachary Quinto as Spock, and he gets Leonard Nimoy in the same movie. It's like, well, see, I liked that, though. I have no objection with that, because Zachary Quinto is a good actor. I mean, No, no, yeah, but then you're kind of screwing him by putting Leonard Nimoy with you, with him in the same scene. Well, I'm, not enough, like, I'm not enough of a Star Trek nerd to have objected to that, Kelly Wand. So there. Uh, you pwned you <laughs> me. I did well, the problem for Mila Kunis, for me, is that she was okay until she had to stand in a scene with Rachel Weisz. And then you, you can see, oh my, that's the difference between a TV actress and a film actress. Uh, she just can't hold her own. And actually, Tom, I would, I would slightly disagree with you. I, I, don't, I think she actually comes alive a little bit when she gets under that makeup. I think she actually starts to do an okay job, but un- until that, she's just nothing. And, and in, a, in scenes with, with, uh, with Rachel Weisz, she's just, she disappears. Right. Uh, real quick sidebar, did the arc of this movie remind you guys of any video game? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I couldn't help but, but thinking, oh, Kelly Wan, do you, do you know what I'm Alluding to Tetris, because <laughs> one of them's green. Here, let me lay it out for you this way: Ricks. a a kind of reluctant hero arrives in a fantasy land, and there, once he gets there, he breaks the heart of a woman who becomes his nemesis. Oh, Snow White and the Huntsman. No, no, a video game. One of my favorite video know. games. That's the same story. So there's a video game that uh, Double Fine and a fellow named Tim Schafer made called uh, Brutal Legend. Uh, and uh, I, that's the kind of that that's the narrative arc of Brutal Legend. That has a sense of place. That game. Oh, of course it does. Yeah, that's a brilliant game, and it's a brilliant it's a brilliant bit of storytelling. And I, I love the female character and the way that Ophelia progresses in that. And just watching this story with about you know the origins of the Wicked Witch of the West, I couldn't help but think of uh, Brutal Legend. Um, I, so yeah, go ahead, Kelly. Want yeah. I can't remember if you're with me on this, but I'm kind of a Spider-Man three apologist. They sort of run together for me because I don't care enough about them. Wait, is that the one with Thomas? The dance that everybody hated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm okay with that one, right? Oh, they come right, right, because the Sam Raimi connection. I see, yeah, James right. Franco turns evil. And there's a lot right, of right. The good pie scene. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, I'm with you then, Kelly. It's Wondra. a really wacky, bizarre movie. And Bruce Campbell's funny in it as the waiter. And, like, so I consider Spider-Man 3 the best of the Spider-Man movies. But on in this movie, I was really bummed that there weren't any... Sam Raimi-esque set pieces. Like but they you were know what? That set, 
Right. There were certainly like really gratuitous and I felt out of place Sam Raimi trademark touches such as let's get in the hag from drag me to hell. You know, let's throw in Bruce Campbell. Let's do that weird, distorted camera perspective when those eyeballs in the dark forest look at their faces up close. Uh, let's make noises where the camera jerks around following the direction of the noise, you know, very evil dead, like we're in the cabin in evil dead. Um, in a tornado, let's have the camera point of view on some planks, some sharp pointed mm-hmm. pieces of wood that are flying at Franco's face. Like there were these weird Sam, these, these distinctive Sam Raimi touches that I just kind of thought were out of place. It's sort of like, okay, do you need to remind me that you directed Evil Dead? Because that, that's what this feels like. <laughs> I liked those reminders, and I was bummed when they stopped, and he kind of just zoned out. But they didn't seem out of place or gratuitous to you? Like you uh, were... They did, but they're – I mean, in Spider-Man 3, they're out of place, but it doesn't bother me. Ah, it's okay. Nothing, right. It's nothing there to, be, to lose. Like right. it, can only, it can only not bore me. Right. But in this, I was bored a lot. And it seems like there's just too many women characters – with few trades, he has no. It's like in Army of Darkness. It, Army of Darkness is where it starts to kind of suck because he's like Bruce Campbell's character is not really interacting with the Army of Darkness that much, and that's what happens in this movie too. It's like by the last third, it's all CG. Did did you guys like any of the CG or any of the visual effects? Like, was there anything that worked for you? Um, it's like it looks okay, but it's not what I want to look at. <laughs> if that makes sense, it reminded me of The Hobbit, it's like Hobbit and Avatar. Oh. See, I thought Hobbit looked miserable. There was nothing in The Hobbit that I enjoyed looking at. Um, and I, I would I would extend that to this as well. Although I will say, actually, I did kind of enjoy, because I don't watch trailers, and I'm, I, I'm betting dollars to donuts they spoil this in the trailer, I did kind of enjoy the reveal about how he comes to his, like, if that that effect he does at the end of Wizard of Oz with his big face appearing as, as kind of a hologram. Uh, hologram holograph yeah uh like i enjoyed that reveal where he you know we we show that oh he has that little elephant kaleidoscope flip book thing whatever and then at the very end how he invents to upstate to you know defeat the witches his big giant floating head that dorothy is going to talk to in the first meeting like i like that reveal uh, and but it's awesome and it's like in this he uses it to shoot fireballs back at witches but then when dorothy shows up it's this kind of lame Holograph. Well, you know, he's gotten older and settled down. But he doesn't care anymore. <laughs> uh, did anyone but me uh, about the balloon crash think, ooh, too soon? <laughs> well, from what? 9-11? Oh, so there, there's footage. It was <laughs> chilling footage, actually, of a, a, a tourist balloon in, in, in Egypt. Yeah, in Egypt, a city called Luxor. Uh, a tourist balloon caught fire and plummeted to the ground, and I think there were like 20 people in it, and only one person survived. Uh, but it, it's just horrible. It's horrifying to look at because it's just this picture. You know, it's a it's a these, this idyllic picture of a, a video of a blimp flying around, or not a blimp, a balloon, and it starts spewing smoke, and then it plummets to the ground, and you know, Jesus. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly, Kelly Wand. So, <laughs> but it's called a hot air balloon. It's like you're shooting hydrogen, like flammable gas. Okay. Not hydrogen these days. I don't think it's. I'm pretty sure it's. Is it helium up in there? What's in there? Is it hydrogen? What was in the Hindenburg? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they <laughs> use that anymore. Yeah, it, it was like slim, like riding a missile up and. Into- <laughs> weird. Like that, the Titanic were like a couple of years apart, and then everyone went, "All right, you know what? We'll just keep the size down from transportation from now on. Yeah, a few people at a time, small yeah. crowds. Right? There's uh, like should have been like a car too, like one giant car." That also exploded. <laughs> Kelly laughed. Uh, Kelly. But yeah, 
I'm sorry you didn't like Wizard of Oz, though. You're a tough room. I thought I thought I would have bet Dingus if we thought about it. But... Okay, well, here's part of what was going in is I'm thinking, okay, it's a classic. Everybody loves it. Even though I normally, don't, you know, old movies, whatever, that's not for me. I'm, I don't get all that stuff. This is the same rough time period as Casablanca. Casablanca is immaculate. I could watch that over and over again. <laughs> that Obviously, point. Yeah, I was thinking, obviously, this is going to be just as good as Casablanca because everybody loves it. So I'm, you know, I'm going to settle in. This is going to be a, a informative experience in my middle age is, is discovering Wizard of Oz. <laughs> was just, the French guy is kind of like in a bellhop outfit. What guy's in a bellhop outfit? The guy, the French guy in Casablanca. Claude Rains? <laughs> the French guy is kind of in a bellhop outfit. Steve Martin's French and Clouseau. Uh, I interrupted. When, um, when we were watching, we watched Wizard of Oz after uh, after we had seen uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, and and as the characters are marching toward uh, Emerald City, and that and the lion is doing his dopey song in the Emerald City, my son goes, "Couldn't they make them look better?" <laughs> And I said, I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, in the in the movie, the the guy who becomes the cowardly lion looks really cool. Well, that's a real lion they're using, and this this is seventy five years ago. That's 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 why they look like this. And and, uh, and my son just goes, yeah, but it's just so corny. Get it? <laughs> I dig I hope you were as strident with your son as you are with us. So uh, you're letting it, you're making him watch the prequel first. Is that how you're going to do the Star Wars thing, or do prequels uh, not exist? Uh, he he. Uh, I've given him the opportunity to write, to watch the prequels. He's already seen uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And so I gave <laughs> him the opportunity. Stop. It ends yeah, there. Hot <laughs> seller's dead. Yeah. I gave him the opportunity to watch the prequels recently, and, and, he, and he opted instead to watch The Avengers for a second time. Oh, Tom likes that. Smart kid, definitely. Said, I, I don't want to watch. Skips a generation. Yeah. So, Kelly Wan, did you also know that Oz, Great and Powerful, is basically... If I'm, if I am not mistaken, does James Franco inadvertently invent the first porno movie? Which time? At the very end, because they're making out in the booth, and she accidentally kicks the little switch, and so oh. it broadcasts to the China girl, to all those, to the people sitting out there. Isn't it broadcasting like a movie of them making out, and we don't know what else? Like, I feel like I just saw a movie about the the first porno movie ever created. Well, that's why they call them Winkies. One, two, three, not only la, la, la. One, eight, eight, three, and I'm caught in between. That was another thing, is every now and then they would say something like Winkies, and I was like, did I did I hear that right? Are they saying Winkies? What, what See, are they talking about? And they're all different. It's like Winkies are the yellow guys, or the blue, in the book. So the Bunchkins are red, so it's easier to tell them apart. It would have been nice if someone had explained that to me in this movie, because I had no... Winkies? Really? That's what those are called? I, I didn't know. Good lord. Um, it's multi-ethnic, but they're all, like, red instead of... Nook. Yeah. Do your impression of Nook again, Kelly Wand. I enjoyed that. Y'all got a flying baboon in y'all. <laughs> Wait, what? That's not what I wanted to hear, is it? What I want to hear, Kelly Wan, is a three by three. You ready for this? Whose was it? I forgot. Uh, this was mine. Wardrobe That's... malfunctions. Uh, why are you going? Ugh. I don't know. Just mess with me. <laughs> you always say it all my topics. And then, no, I don't. I love some of your topics. And the listeners go, "Yeah, book Tom." <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you're, Kelly Wan, if I could say one thing about your topics, it's that they play to the audience. Ah, oh, listen to the condescension. Dingus, you can <laughs> take that from him? He's talking about you, too. <laughs> Kelly Wan, I'm going to tell you the three ups of showbiz. Three ups. All right. That's the first step. Wasn't it uh, keep More up, math. keep up, grow up, uh, and shut up? Or no, what was the – Dingus, what were the three ups of showbiz from Oz Great and Powerful? Help me out. Show up, show up, keep up, shut up. <laughs> and then the third one is the important one. Kelly Wan, I see some yellow brick potholes over here. <laughs> and then your mother goes around the corner and licks it up. What? They didn't say that. By the way, uh, did you guys know that back in 1905, they had the whole sock on the door gag when you have a woman in the room? Did you know that? I didn't know that that went back that far. Why a sock? Why not a condom? Well, they didn't have those. This is 1905, Kelly. Oh, they had socks. What are those those socks that have the buttons on them that you liked in the Gatsby music video? Shirts? Yeah. (laughs) Wait, a sock on the doorknob means I'm having sex in here. Because in my thing, I was, I'd go, hey, there's a bee in the room. Wait, okay. wait, how would you say, would you, would you like go outside and then tell your roommate before he came in, there's a bee in the room? No, I'd shout it. <laughs> and, then, and then she or he would go, what? And then, meaning the partner. You know what, Kelly, whatever it took to get you through college. <laughs> Let's do a three by three. Okay, so this week is wardrobe malfunctions. Uh, now it occurs to me these do not. Ne- I meant this literally, and I, maybe I should have fielded some questions. It does not necessarily have to mean where you like see female nudity or a penis or whatever. It does not necessarily have to involve uh, a revealed nudity error. Because I, I think the term was actually coined with that whole. Um, Janet Janet Jackson. Uh, Janet Jackson. I almost said Janet Maslin. Uh, that Janet Jackson thing. <laughs> The pasty um, worked, though, so it wasn't a malfunction in that instance. Right, right, I mean, right. I think everybody knows that was sort of calculated. But anyway, I think a lot of people think, oh, it means a breast is shown or whatever. That's not what I intended. But I, I didn't elaborate, so I'll be curious to see what you guys came up with. But I was thinking of literal wardrobe malfunctions. Um, so, Dingus, you are introducing next week's 3 by 3 so why don't you start us off with your number three pick for a favorite wardrobe malfunction? Now, you didn't give this much information when you gave the topic. Correct. correct. I don't know what the hell you mean by literal wardrobe malfunctions now that you're here, now that you've landed us in this. Now that it's too late for us to change. Well, no, no. I think when people say, like, wardrobe malfunction is a phrase that was coined after that Janet Jackson nipple slip at the Super Bowl halftime thing. Uh, So so a lot of people think it means, oh, somebody's clothes came off and you saw something you're not supposed to see. They were coin-sized as well. I I literally meant... Just something going wrong with clothing. <laughs> literally. <laughs> All right. He literally meant it. <laughs> so that said, you know, I, I'm Wait. fine with people doing whatever they want with the, the term, but uh, it just occurred to me maybe people were thinking, oh, Tom meant something where you could see a woman's breasts. That's not what I meant necessarily. Oh, i got to redo mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dingus, kick us off. What do you have? Maybe give us a quote from your number three pick. All right, here's a quote from it. You just fulfilled the first rule of law enforcement. Make sure when your shift is over, you go home alive. Here endeth the lesson. Sounds like he's doing untouched. Irish. Yeah, that's just Connery. Yep, that's McConnery. So this is the untouchables. This is the only one of mine that's really a uh, a continuity error kind of (laughs) function. And um, 
This is one of the two that I thought of immediately when Tom said wardrobe malfunction, because I just find this so amusing in a movie I love uh, when this happens. And I don't really care about it. I've seen the movie so many times that I've come to notice it. But uh, but there's just this moment. Um, there's a scene where uh, Elliot Ness goes to see Malone, who's played by Sean Connery, and he's trying to convince Malone to help him out. And so for the entire scene, and it maybe only happens a couple of times, but it seems to me that it happens over and over again, the top button on Sean Connery's shirt goes from buttoned to unbuttoned to buttoned to unbuttoned to buttoned. <laughs> and you just you, you kind of get mesmerized by it. And, and you realize they must have done many takes. They must have been hot in the room. Connery's probably popping that button off every now and then. And they just keep forgetting, and the continuity person, the script girl, whoever, uh, forgets to tell him, look, last time you had the button button, so can you do that, please? Because he, he, it just pops open and closed, and it's very obvious. So that's the first one. It's a, it's a continuity error with costuming. See what happens, Dingus, when you watch a movie too many times? <laughs> yes, that's true. Wait, why do you like it? Or why is that, like, a good one? It's it's not a good one. It's my fa- it's one. It's my third favorite one. Aha! He got you there, Kelly Wand. <laughs> well, so is the is the cup with uh, coffee in it in Shutter Island it's sometimes invisible? Like that's a wardrobe malfunction. Well, you well, don't wear, only a, if you it was a cup of water and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, try harder to remember which fluid it was. <laughs> try harder. All right, so Kelly Wan, what is your number three pick for a favorite wardrobe malfunction? Oh, in the movie Showgirls, there's like <laughs> I like where this is going. This is maybe my only good one. There's like a fat Melissa McCarthy stripper, and she has a thing where um, if she like squeezes her armpits, her dress explodes with with a horn noise and exposes her boobs. But then it malfunctions and doesn't expose them one time. So it's like the opposite of a conventional wardrobe malfunction. You know, I liked where it was going when it was in my imagination. All right. That's Show what girls. I've been told in so many different. <laughs> oh, hey, too much wand for the internet <laughs> to sustain. You didn't see uh, Showgirls, Tom? Because the you know the what I have not. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard enough about it that I feel like I have, and uh, yeah, I, I, I have not seen it. When they were making striptease, the they, like Showgirls came out right before it, and they watched it and laughed and like, we're gonna own that movie. Like striptease, like they were all over it. And now, which one is more famous? Showgirls. You see? see exactly. Yeah. See, pride goeth. All right, my number three pick for a favorite wardrobe malfunction, uh, and this is literally a wardrobe malfunction. It's just wardrobe breaking, and it's mainly because of how deadpan Thomas Hayden Church is. It's Gina Gershon and Killer Joe. They're sitting. Gina Gershon and Thomas Hayden Church are sitting in. It's like a lawyer's office, and they're they're these hicks. They're uncomfortable there. They're they're very uh, low class folks. And he's put on a, his probably his only jacket, and it's got a thread hanging off of it. And they're waiting on the lawyer <laughs> to come in. And Gina oh, yeah, Gershon is just sort of playing with it, and he sort of swats her hand away, and she can't resist. And so she pulls the thread, and his sleeve falls off. Yeah. <laughs> and so for the rest of the scene, his sleeve is dangling off. And then later on, when the scene continues outside, he's put a safety pin in it. Uh, but I just love that bit of you he know, has these a great people. look. Yeah, his, his look is amazing. Yeah. Just their little interaction right there, just that little moment where she decides she's going to pull this, the thread anyway, and his sleeve breaks, and he just gives her this look. It's so endearing. 
Um, so it's uh, the bear's sitting down too, like right then. Right, exactly. It's right, exactly. Like there's no way he can cover for it. He doesn't have time. Yeah. Uh, that is a good one. So that, that's and that's actually what inspired this three by three. I was like, it reminded okay. me of the Vince Vaughn money spray and made a little bit. Yes, exactly, Kelly Wan. It's that same kind of thing. Yeah. Per- carefully orchestrated. <laughs> what was that? Fap sound. <laughs> <laughs> that was me spanking. I was spanking my cat's butt. Sorry that you had to hear that. I didn't realize that would carry so well. Whatever it takes to get here. <laughs> uh, Dingus, give us a quote for your number two favorite wardrobe malfunction. Or simulate the noise it made <laughs> by spanking my flying monkey cat. All right. You want to know the secret to surviving air travel? After you get where you're going, take off your shoes and socks, then walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. When does his wardrobe malfunction? He leaves his shoes. He doesn't have them, so he has no uh, shoe wardrobe. And then he kills a terrorist. And Oh, this is Die Hard, by the way. And uh, and he tries on that guy's shoes, and they're too small, because that guy has uh, has feet the size of his sister's. <laughs> and that's the line, right? Isn't that Doesn't that actually get said at some point? Yeah, he says, nine million, nine million terrorists in the world, and I get one with feet the size of my sister. Ah, uh, we haven't met the sister yet. That's She's what I was going to say. Is, yeah, how, yeah, well, how come that hasn't come up in any of <laughs> They actually have now? relatives after five movies. They still haven't worked into a hostage situation. Bamble <laughs> <laughs> down. <laughs> All right, Die Hard. Uh, good. Kelly Wan, yeah. what do you have to top that for your number two pick for a wardrobe malfunction? Uh, I'll do a quote from it. Uh, Wait, hold on real quick. Hold on real quick. I'm now having a very strong image in my head, Dingus, of some scene. Maybe are they picking through bodies or something where somebody is like trying to match boots to the size of his or her feet uh, and is holding the boots up to her feet. Oh, gum it. Do you know what I'm thinking of, Dingus? I see the picture in my head and I don't know what you're talking about. In Die Hard? No, it's it's some movie where just Dingus mentioning uh, John McClane only finding small feet. I'm picturing somebody who's like barefoot for whatever reason. Picking through bodies and, and picking up Cast a away, and he cuts no. the shoes, so ends off. So. No, picking up a boot and holding it up against the bottom of his or her feet, like backwards, just to see if the sole matches the size of his or her foot. I can't think of what that's from. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry uh, that just came to me. So maybe some, maybe you know what? It'll be in one of the reader submissions. <laughs> but that's not really a wardrobe malfunction. That's like somebody else's wardrobe. That's a you malfunction where you don't work with that other person's wardrobe. Well, you're the your skin's your wardrobe. Ah, Kelly Wan, that's so deep. And your brain's your wardrobe for your soul. Kelly Wan, do you know the the largest organ in a before human? or after? <laughs> hey, quick, Kelly Wan, give us your second favorite your second favorite wardrobe malfunction. We got a bleeder. You didn't think I'd do a real line, did you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dingus, do you know what that is? What's he doing? I have no idea. Oh, really? I feel Dingus, like I know it. I should know it. Really? It's an iconic line, I thought. No, I, I know. I feel like I should know it. Uh, oh, Predator. See, you got that fucking shoe thing stuck in your mind. I know, I know. See what happens? It's just a shame spiral. But then the person finds a boot that fits and starts lacing it on. I want to say something. It's not the road, because it's some movie. I don't know. All right, no, so let's see. There's, there's dialogue going on during it. It's like right. somebody like Mark Ruffalo or uh, Clive Owen or somebody. Uh, darn it. 
It's not. It, it sounds like a Civil War moment, but I don't think that's it. Right. Yeah. And I think he, the character has shoes or boots, Valkyrie. but he's looking for some that are better. I don't know. All right. So Kelly Wan, we got a bleeder. Uh, it's got to be Mash. <laughs> no, it's after Mash. Robert Altman's final. Do you know Benjamin Button was a Best Picture nominee? Well, Dingus, uh, I think, was voting was for the Academy for that year, and so yeah. my kid goes to school with Farrell. <laughs> Mike Farrell said, "Tell you what, I do not know this. I do not know it from this quote. I'm afraid I can't get it. Uh, something about Mary and his balls and his. Oh, earth. I don't. I'm not gonna. Oh, you like that? What? Right, so what's the wardrobe malfunction? Because by the way, hair gel is not wardrobe. It's not. It's a zipper. Yeah, it's a zipper on his uh, testicles. Oh, oh, that's just painful for you. To, oh, all right. Do you need to tell us more about that? No." I've just I've been on that date. That's uh, a wardrobe. Boy, that's a wardrobe malfunction. But it was my dick. And <laughs> my balls. It was like the whole zipper was caught in it. It was a very... <laughs> it was a long night. A small zipper. Kelly, when were you scarred Dating. by that? Uh, no, no, I don't want to know. I do not want to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my no further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> I see it as a love fault line. Oh, stop talking on the internet, Wand. Kelly Wand, my number two pick for a wardrobe malfunction is, uh, and I can't think of the character's name. What's Jason Lee's character in The Incredibles? What's his name? Jason Lee. Yeah, that's the villain. Syndrome. Syndrome. It's Syndrome's cloak being his undoing at the end of The Incredibles, and how that's a joke about uh, having superheroes having cloaks. So, and capes. <laughs> capes. Clo- What's the difference between a cape and a cloak, Dingus? Cape. Hold on, wait, wait. I want to get no, Kelly. Wan, hold on. I want to see what Dingus has to say about this. Dingus, why don't you tell us the difference between a cape and a cloak? Aragorn wears a cloak and it has a hood. A cape does not have a hood. <laughs> Dingus, how many points of armor class does a cape or cloak have? Well, it depends if it's been uh, made into a magic item or a rare item. So Batman now- thing has a cape though, but it has a hood. It's a hood. It's a cloak, then. That's more of a cowl. Yeah, a cowl. Oh, can a cloak have a cowl, Dingus, or it has to be a hood? <laughs> it has to be a hood. So, okay, so uh, Syndrome had a cloak, a cape, then. Right. Actually, you know, that makes more sense. And the mode yells, no capes! Right, right. Played by? Sam Jackson. Brad Bird. Brad Bird, that's right. Oh. I, I love this choice, Tom, because I... I I, uh, tink- I tinkered with it for a little bit, so I, I didn't think you would allow it. I yeah, I got you covered. I got you covered. Why? Why wouldn't you have allowed it? Because it's a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so, uh, Dingus, then, what is your number one pick? You're basically your favorite wardrobe malfunction in a movie. Ever. Is it? Well, this is my favorite ward- wardrobe malfunction of all time in a movie. Uh, here's a quote from it. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. That sounds like Hudson Hawk. Good lord. <laughs> it's Raiders, isn't it? Yeah, it's oh. Raiders. What goes wrong in Raiders? Oh, and nothing. Is goes hat wrong. dropping? Is it dropping a hat? A wardrobe malfunction? What is it, Dingus? What's the? Oh, is it the? Is it the? Uh, his little purse breaking open and spilling the glowy uh, stone thingies? That's the other one. That's Crystal Skull. Oh. Hmm. It, it is a hat, but do you know what hat I'm talking about? Does he hit Agarn with it? Wait, well, what? There's only one hat in Raiders of the Lost Ark. What do you mean? 
this is, I love this moment. Uh, so this is, and I, I don't even know uh, the character's actual name. I don't know uh, who plays this character. Um, but this is my, uh, both my favorite hat moment in the movie and my favorite Nazi uh, of all time. In the oh, wait, that's not a malfunction, <laughs> is it? Do you, what are you talking about? The hanger? <laughs> that's what I would, yeah, but I don't think that's a malfunction either. So, Kelly Wand, I think we don't know yet what his moment right. is. <laughs> it's probably that Nazi because he's the Mr. Blackwell Nazi. I think no, he doesn't know that character's name, though. Yeah, that's Tote. Tote? Tote. Yeah. Like a tote bag? That is yeah, like a tote bag. Name. Actually, isn't that German for death, by the way? Or did I just make that up? <laughs> what? Tote? Isn't that's that the German word for death? Uh, maybe not. Whatever. No, it's uh, Morte. That. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Dingus, get in here. As someone who actually knows what he's talking about, why don't you tell us what your choice is? All right. So in the desert truck chase, all right, you guys have a picture in your mind of the desert truck chase where Indiana Jones chases down the truck that has the ark in it, and he gets in, and he knocks the guys out of the cab, and he starts driving the truck. And um, eventually the Nazis that are in the back of the truck are encouraged to get out. Yeah, go out. Encouraged. So, yeah. Just like Hitler encouraged the uh, Wehrmacht not to retreat from the Eastern Front. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, guys. Anytime. So, uh, so the Nazis go along the sides of the truck, and Indy pretty easily brushes them off, you know, using palm fronds and uh, jerky motions on the steering wheel. And so they all fall off the sides of the truck. And then one super, super cool Nazi climbs up over the roof of the truck. And eventually almost uh, almost defeats Indiana Jones by yeah, punching think, his bullet-ridden arm and throwing him over the hood of the car. I think I know where this is going, and I'm getting a visual picture. I like this dingus. Keep going. But before he gets into the cab of the truck, this, this Nazi dude, this soldier, is, is climbing over the roof of the truck as it drives. And he looks super badass. And the wind, uh, the force of the wind on top of the truck lifts the cap off of his head. And just send it flying behind him, and and the guy looks back at the cap for a second. You see his bald head there, and then he and then he comes back forward and goes over to the cab of the truck. And I just love that moment where his hat flies off, and we get to stay there and give this guy a a little moment where he looks after his hat and he looks forward again. And, I, and I'm thinking that can't be a mistake. I mean, there's there's so much attention to detail in it, but it looks like a mistake. It looks like a wardrobe malfunction where his hat flies off because the guy looks after it for a second. That's and I like character. That, that this character that you don't know who he is, I have no idea what, who the actor is who plays it, but he has this great little moment where his hat flies off and you see his bald head and he looks after his hat and then he looks forward again. Uh, I've always loved that little moment because they could have done another take where his hat stays on if they'd wanted to and they didn't want to. And uh, I just... I, I I just had this strong mental image of his hat flying off and him looking back after it. Thing is, they remember kept... when? Remember when Spielberg knew what he was doing? Well, <laughs> CG monkeys are visceral too. <laughs> but, uh, it's so cool, like when a henchman gets personality like that. Like that's yeah. personality. It could have been just some stunt dude, but they let this guy have a touch of personality like that. That's awesome, Dingus. Well, and also it's like that's like he doesn't care about his hat, so that's why we know he's going to be. Like the bald guy with the plane, he just kind of gets out. Like he's not impressed that it's Indiana Jones. Because <laughs> they don't know they're in a horror movie. <laughs> For Nazis. All right, Dingus. Uh, little Raiders of the Lost Ark's always nice to have on a 3x3. Three three. But Indy uh, keeps his hat on even as he gets under the truck and then comes back around, right? Because, Kelly Wand, he's not a Nazi. Right. 
And then he makes the guy go through the same thing he did. Kelly Wan, how does Indiana Jones hang on to his hat when he's riding a submarine? Aliens. <laughs> All right, my number – oh, no. Uh, Kelly Wan, what's your number one pick then for – I was just going to skip you. Imagine that. What's your number one pick, Kelly Wan, for a favorite wardrobe balance? The listeners can, but you're stuck. <laughs> That's uh, right. We are a captive audience. Listeners, you can fast forward. If you if you don't want to hear Kelly Wan's number one pick, fast forward about, what, 20 seconds, you think? Will that be enough hopefully. time to cover it? Okay. It's not that good. I actually advise you to – to bat to I'll wait while you do it. A few seconds. <laughs> My number one favorite wardrobe malfunction is from the movie It's Pat, where um Ween's playing a song and then he she's lowered on like a hook because she's like stuck on a meat hook and then her pants fly off so like the crowd sees her genitalia. But we don't. Oh wait, so they're in the in the fictional universe of It's Pat, there's a whole bunch of people who know whether Pat is a dude or a chick? Yeah, Ween fans know, but they don't tell us. Oh. And the guy who's been obsessed with finding it out the whole movie doesn't get to see. He goes to the electric chair for his curiosity. Is that true? You know, the guy with the sword, that was a wardrobe malfunction, too. <laughs> he shot him because the sword was part of his wardrobe. I see. Right, right. It's made of metal. All right, it's Pat. Did not expect to see that on a 3x3 three three this week, but you never know what you're going to get with 3x3s. Three yeah. Well, Zach, right. hey, I should have gone with Heather Thomas's boobs. Too late. That's Sorry. Maybe, Kelly Wan, you can save that for the runners-up. Fuck. <laughs> uh, my number one pick for a wardrobe malfunction, uh, and I just love this moment, uh, is Merida's dress in Brave, when uh, she's just been trussed up in this dress that she's wearing for a ceremony, and when she declares that she is going to you know, uh, shoot for herself at the archery contest, and she can't quite get the dress to let her pull the bow correctly, that she just kind of does this flex thing, like the Hulk, kind of, and just rips <laughs> the seams of her dress just enough to where she can fire. It's not a cheesecake moment or anything like that. It's just like a young girl just sort of really flexing her independence and ripping this dress that her mother's trust her up in. Uh, I just love that little bit of that awesome sequence in Brave uh, during the archery contest. So there's uh, my I've number done one. That, I've done that with pants, but it was the, <laughs> it was the back part, unfortunately. That's beautiful. I like it when she takes the little red curl out from under her little yes. hair covering, too. There's a lot of great wardrobe stuff with her being uh, trussed up in that, that dress. Um, all right, let's see what readers have come up with. So we have uh, from someone who uh, identifies him and herself as Fred and Lynn, him and her, question mark self. Uh, Fred and Lynn writes, not sure, but here we go. Uh, oh, and he tried to get in a favorite explosion for last week's 3x3, but I'm sorry, the deadline is over for that. Oh. So <laughs> There was a deadline? Uh, you got to get it into us before, if you want us to read it on the podcast, you are welcome to, to email us those. But if you want it read on the podcast, we need it by the time we record. So here we go. Fred and Lynn did make it in for our 3 by 3 of wardrobe malfunctions. He chooses Rob Lowe losing shirt in Tommy Boy. What? Apparently Rob Lowe lost his shirt in Tommy Boy. When he pees on the fence? I love Tommy Boy, but I don't know what he's talking about, unfortunately. Oh, here is it is it is is Chris Farley's fat man in a little jacket? Is that a wardrobe malfunction? Or is he actually like doing it correctly by making a gag out of it? I don't know. When he's trying is to make David Spade said? laugh. Or are you saying that? No, he's trying to make David Spade laugh and he does a gag. I think he even did it on Saturday. Batman in a little coat. Exactly, right. He's got a little song with it. Uh 
but I think in that instance, the wardrobe is working exactly as intended. I prefer black sheep. <laughs> oh, Kelly Wand, <laughs> you are soon. so you are so pedestrian. Anybody who prefers hey. black sheep to Tommy Boy, oh, Kelly Wand, that's too bad. Wait, what? I thought that it's the same universe, but a prequel. No, I'm going to okay. say no. <laughs> Uh, okay, Fred and Lynn's also picks uh, Beans Above the Frank Zipper Fiasco. Oh, Beans Above the Frank See? Zipper Fiasco in Something About Mary. And then finally, Dress in the Shredder in Jumpin' Jack Flash. <laughs> that, sure that is. Yes, Kelly? That, that movie keeps coming up, and I don't think anyone's seen it except the listener who keeps the listeners who. Uh, oh, yeah, Jumpin' Jack Flash has the greatest explosion when Whoopi's head gets stuck in the. Uh, it's a Whoopi Goldberg movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought it was like a Stones concert documentary thing or something. No, she has to listen to the song and save a spy, but we don't know who the spy is. So it's like you... What? Jumpin' Jack Flash is a Whoopi Goldberg movie. Yeah, a spy thriller with Whoopi Goldberg. Dingus, is, he, is Kelly Wan just making stuff up to, to flummox me? He is actually telling the truth this time. See? Well, right. Dingus knows his Whoopi. Let's get to Paul Weimar. That's yeah. how she, par- she parlayed her Oscar into that role. Wow. All right. Can they take those back, Dingus? <laughs> Only from uh, Stevie Wonder. What? Paul Weimer writes, I had to think about my number two, and my number three and number one came straight to mind for the topic of wardrobe malfunction. I suspect Kelly might have scooped my number one, though, writes Paul Weimer. His number three, the quote, never give up, never surrender. Captain Taggart, played by Tim Alien, loses his shirt in a rock monster fight in Galaxy Quest, and even gets called out on it by Alan Rickman's character. Well, Sigourney Weaver gets her... She has wardrobe malfunctions the whole movie, doesn't she? Like She gets more, more of her boobs show. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Like, she's the cheesecake character. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Paul's number two. Uh, the quote, hey, it's a thingy. A fiendish thingy. He writes, uh, a booby-trapped hairdryer starts peeling clothes off the Fab Four in the movie Help. What the hell? I haven't seen that. I get them mixed up, the Beatles movies, because they're all named after Beatles songs, so I forget which one's which. A booby-trapped hairdryer? I, 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 I thought that was in Heads. I don't know what that is. All right. Uh, it's a documentary, though. It's not a movie, so it doesn't count. Oh. Uh, and this quote, the pointy end goes into the other guy, is the quote. So, Tinkus, would you actually know what that quote is from? This is the sort of thing you might actually know. Does that? Catherine Zeta-Jones is Jurassic and Zorro. Whoa, Kelly Wand. Very and nice. We were when she gasped as her underwear fell off. Or wait. Yeah, well, as Paul writes, Catherine Zeta-Jones learns that Antonio Banderas' sword can divest her of her clothing. Literally. Uh, in the Mark of Zorro. Sharp Dick. Uh. <laughs> that was the original name of the movie, but they wanted to westernize it. Uh, David Lessenberry writes uh, that he has only one this week. It's Bringing Up Baby. 1938 movie, a year before Wizard of Oz. Uh, Catherine Hepburn makes her entrance at the country club in an extravagant dress with a ridiculously long train. Cary Grant accidentally treads on the fabric, ripping off the entire train and exposing her undergarments. That, that actually sounds funny. Uh, and then David writes, Grant quickly covers her embarrassment with his hat, exclaiming, I feel a perfect ass. Wait a minute. Wait, they couldn't what? do that in 1938. I mean, I get the joke and it's funny. They could do that in 1938? Wait, that's the one he thought I would 
too. No, no. So that was Paul's. Paul thought you might trump his number one pick, which was Mark yeah. of Sorrow. Uh, uh, well, I knew it. That's kind of like But no, David Lessonberry. So Cary Grant covering up Catherine Hepburn's undergarment and then because he ripped her dress and then saying, I feel a perfect ass. You he means that himself. No, I know. I get the – Kelly Wan, I understand double entendre. Her ass in that movie is nowhere near as good as it is in On Golden Pond. Oh, Kelly Wand. She's making loon sounds with that. Aaron Vaughn writes, these are my picks for best reasons why the Earth does not have a circumference. Nice try, Aaron Vaughn. Ah. If you're listening, I just want to remind everyone listening, the Earth does not have a circumference because <laughs> it is a round, it's a sphere, therefore it, it has round. points, and therefore it has a number of circ- it has infinite circumferences. No. Yes, Kelly Wand, we've been over this. What's we'll the... On the geol- uh, the geometry Geology podcast. Shut up. Yeah, and that one as well. Geology. Anyway, these are Aaron Vaughn's picks for wardrobe malfunctions. He says, the topic was a huge question mark until I got to bouncing ideas off my girlfriend and then realized the scope of choices. I decided to interpret wardrobe malfunction as a scripted event where the wardrobe is used as a plot device rather than how bad something looked or what zippers were accidentally showing on camera. So, since everyone else's choices will make me hate what I didn't think of this week, he says, I'm going with the ones I just couldn't get out of my head. From safety not guaranteed, the quote is, hey, there's something in your ear. Uh, Aaron writes, this was the first thing to come to mind. A cool little movie I recently saw, thanks to Netflix, where Mark Duplass's ear starts to fall off in a diner, and it's pointed out to him by Aubrey Plaza. This sends him on a small rampage where he decides this was enough to embarrass him from traveling through time, something he probably could have used to prevent this scene if he wanted. Now, is a prosthetic ear wardrobe? It's wardrobe for your skull. <laughs> That's a good it's like point. a brooch. Uh, did y'all see Safety Not Guaranteed? No, I only see movies where safety is guaranteed. Ah, wise choice. Uh, I thought it was way too, too twee. Uh, but yeah. I, do love, I do love me some Mark Duplass, though, and he, he was in fine form in that movie. I don't like movies where it's like it's supposed to be an eccentric person, but since they're they're kind of they're not hideous like real eccentrics are, like they just get laid constantly. Yeah, which I can uh, say is not true. <laughs> Kelly, why can you can you address that with personal experience? I travel through time and get no pussy. So fuck that movie. Uh, Eric's number two pick, uh, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. The line that he quotes is, time to get some oxygen. Jim Carrey goes undercover in Africa in a one-to-one rhino replica. When one-one, whatever one call. I don't know how you say that. The, a, a full-scale rhino replica. There you go. Uh, when the inside of his robot getup becomes too hot and he has to strip down to his birthday suit, a group of tourists and we, the audience, have to watch a rhino give birth to a naked Jim Carrey as he narrowly escapes from its latex hindquarters. Yes. Wow. Great, uh, great scene, great movie. See, so you just thinking about it. I did. It did sound funny. Dingus, do you debate this choice? I don't know what you're talking about. Really? I love that scene. That movie's great. Well, Aaron says, Aaron writes, since I'm expecting someone to debate this choice, and I will take Dingus's, I don't know what you're talking about, as a debate. (laughs) Aaron writes, I contend that it does qualify as wardrobe, since the rhino is a functioning disguise, and there's a clear malfunction with a costume, which makes this my valid number two pick. Huh. Plus the placenta. (laughs) It's like a cape with a cowl on it. 
and Aaron Vaughn's number one pick is The Incredibles. The quote, uh-huh. all was well, another day saved when his cape snagged on a missile fin. He writes, remember when all those capes defected and killed four superheroes in one montage? Superhero costumes sure are tragic, but the first time this accessory was spotted on Jason Lee, it was an inevitable Chekhov's cape. Well put, Aaron. Uh, he writes, the end of Syndrome was not only my personal favorite wardrobe malfunction, but also one of the most satisfying deaths in Pixar movie history. I'm trying to think what other ones would qualify there, but good. Well picked. Uh, and as a runner-up, he chooses uh, Arnold's robot disguise in Total Recall. <laughs> Uh, it is a malfunction. And if he's going to well, if he's going to get the uh, the rhino disguise, I guess that that crazy uh, large lady head it gives birth to Arnold. Called. Yeah, and then blows up. That's what this program is. <laughs> it's got two functions. <laughs> uh, uh, finally, we have uh, Jeff Sweet, who says, "I know there are probably better picks than mine. I'm looking forward to hearing them." But here are the three that sprang to mind for me. Jeff writes number three, Watchmen. Dollar Bill's cape caught in a revolving door during a bank robbery. Okay, he writes, this is probably my weakest choice as we only see the aftermath, and even then it's just a quick bit during the opening montage, but I like it. I guess that's why I don't remember it, is there's a whole bunch of girls. I guess if you, Kelly Wand, if you read the, um, yeah, if you read Watchmen by Neil Gaiman, you would know who Dollar Bill is. Selling more, you fucked head. <laughs> you fell for it. Okay, oh. number two pick, um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Jeff chooses that and writes, the mine overseer's sash gets pulled by his sash ah. into a rock crusher. Oh, so, he uh, just, yeah, okay. yeah. so the mine overseer gets pulled by his sash into a rock crusher. I like fatal wardrobe malfunctions, so that's a good one. Oh, here's another one, Kelly Wan. Jeff Sweet's number one pick, The Incredibles. Mm. There you go. So the clear winner tonight, the incredible. No, Heather Thomas. Fuck. Kelly Wan, I got one better for you than Heather Thomas. I don't know about better for you, but at least it occupied a similar role in my childhood that I think the Heather Thomas one might have occupied for you. Uh, Robert Zemeckis, I don't know about his first movie, but one of Robert Zemeckis' early movies is this really R-rated kind of TNA uh comedy even with some yeah used cars even has some more weekend at bernie's kind of stuff um so it's kurt russell is a used car salesman and uh just a lot of shenanigans a lot of like wrecking cars and there's even explosions and stuff but at one point they're going to broadcast a pirate commercial (laughs) and they've hot they've hijacked the signal from a football game and right before a touchdown they're going to cut in to uh trying to they're going to be you know it's just a commercial shot on the line it was a cowboy you thought what was a cowboy the guy that you're talking about in the commercial. That's not what he meant by pirate. Oh, okay, sorry. What? Sorry. Well, oh, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. No. So, uh, the, and they have, uh, an, a, the actress's name is Cheryl Dixon. And I only know this because I looked it up because I was like, who was that? And she was a, a penthouse pet, I think, or something. But like, she was like a... a, a oh, yeah, yeah. And so the, she was the actress playing this like just hot chick in the movie. And so they're shooting the commercial and it's starting to go wrong, and her, her dress gets caught on the hood ornament. So Kurt Russell steps into the commercial and is like, hey, let's look under the hood of this baby. And he throws up the hood, and it rips off her dress. So she's naked in front of you know thousands or millions of viewers. Uh, and there's all these gratuitous shots of her like prancing around. Oh, I'm naked. And uh, you know the, the camera <laughs> zooming in on her breast. And just as a kid seeing that, that and I think I yeah, mentioned this on a podcast. The family, that blew my mind, yeah. And that's a wardrobe malfunction. So I presume, Kelly, once something similar happens to Heather Thomas and Zapped? Yeah, but it's telekinesis and not a car hood. Mm, so it's not very realistic, you're saying? 
Well, yeah, because it's Scott Baio, <laughs> and he's a chemist or something. So yeah, it is. It's more realistic. Used cars has all that superstition. Well, that's what causes the commercial to go wrong. Is the guy who's shooting it doesn't want. He doesn't believe red car. He thinks red cars are bad luck. Right. And when they turn the lights on to shoot the commercial, he sees that the car is red. Yeah. But he he turns out to be right. Like, doesn't he have to throw the football game later? So he has to do all these unlucky things really quick to make the the Super Bowl guy, like the quarterback, fuck up on the TV. I only watched the scene with nudity. I couldn't tell you. As far as <laughs> you can, so by the way, because I was like, did I remember that correctly? Is that real nudity, or is she like still in her underwear? And I just remembered as a kid, like that was nudity. So I went looking on YouTube, and I couldn't find it except like dubbed in Portuguese or something. <laughs> There's like that scene dubbed in Portuguese on YouTube. So how how was it in Portuguese? Uh, it's it's a little funny here. Uh, Kurt Russell not speak English. I don't know what to make of that. So. But it is him. It's totally him. They did not replace him with a, with a Portuguese. I don't know. It's Italian or something. Uh, it's probably Italian. <laughs> uh, all right. So other runners Same out. Thing. What about, uh, what? Wait, that's all the listeners? Uh, yes. We had one, two, we had five submissions this week. Yep. Uh, not really as many. If I pick up explosions. Yeah. yeah, see? I'm just going to say runners up. All right, well, I got another one. There's a there's a horrible sequel to Open Water called Open Water 2. And in adrift. Open Pardon? Isn't it, isn't it colon adrift? Open yes, water. very good, Kelly. And it was originally just going to be a movie called Adrift and they decided <laughs> to like, they, they decided to use make it an open water sequel. So what happens is a bunch of like people are out on a yacht and they're, they're, they sail the yacht out in the ocean, as like you do, and they decide to go swimming. So they jump off of the yacht, and they're swimming around in the yacht, and they realize nobody lowered the ladder. So they can't get out of the water uh, back into the boat. So one of the things that they attempt to get back into the boat is they all take their bathing suits off, and they tie them together into a bathing suit rope. And they try to use that to throw up onto the deck of the yacht to pull themselves back up in there, and it fails. Their wardrobe fails them as a rope. Don't they almost get it, but then they do something really dumb, like their weight drags the thing or something? Uh, doing something really dumb, that's pretty much like 95% of the movie. Yeah, exactly. That's the entire the movie. Which, and it's still boring, even though we're making it sound kind of awesome. Right, yeah, no, it is not awesome. Uh, it's really it's, boring. It's a terrible movie. and uh, The wrong people lived. <laughs> I remember thinking that afterwards. I think only one person lives. No, well, the, the dick who causes it lives, I nope. think. he sacrifices himself mm-hmm. so that the girl can get up on the boat. No, I've seen this movie, Kelly Wand. He, so that all that they have, here's, here, it's like an adventure game puzzle. Okay, you're adrift. You can't get up on the yacht. You have, in your inventory, a scuba mask. What do you do to get on the boat, Kelly Wand? Um, just forget about it and go scuba snorkeling. And game help. over. You have drowned. Fuck. Would, you, would you like to play again? Would you yeah. like to reload? Okay, yeah. now what do you do? You're adrift. You have a scuba mask. What do you do? I set to fire it. to the boat like in Dead you have uh, You have no matches. Fuck. All right, I use the glass in the scuba mask. Oh, yes, yes, Kelly. Keep going. the sun cause the boat to explode from the heat. That does not work. You are dead. Would you like Fuck. to try again? Yeah, okay. I make friends with the sharks. <laughs> By using Heather Thomas's tits. <laughs> so what happens is they break the glass, and he makes a jagged shard of glass, and he rams it into the side of the boat, right. wrapping his hand around it, so she can then stand on his hand as a foothold and get herself up into the boat. 
Oh, you know what? And, and I think she does actually pull him up so that he has to live with the the knowledge that he's killed people. So I think you're right, Kelly Wand. Um, it's the vague. But why didn't they do that before? Why did they come up with the smart idea? See, the first movie's better because they don't have any options. They just right, sit yeah, there and go, exactly. uh, uh, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> How did they go, Kelly Wand? How did that do some of that dialogue for me again? Uh, y'all got a shark in y'all. Oh, wait, the sharks got a tourist in y'all. Don't they eat the camera? They get a, They open up a shark at the end of the first open water, and it's like their cameras in it. What? Are <laughs> you thinking of Jaws? And it's a license plate, not a camera. Ben Gardner's camera. Uh, any other? If no other three by threes, Dingus. Well, uh, oh I've yes, got a, a couple of runners up. Since uh, somebody opened the door for prosthetics and <laughs> costumes, uh, one of my favorites is in the original. Uh, a New Hope, which is one of the Star Wars movies. Um, <laughs> There's more than one? At the beginning, uh, in Mos Eisley, one of the characters is uh, showing the stormtroopers where the Millennium Falcon is parked, and he gestures, and as he gestures, he smacks himself in the nose. <laughs> what? Wait, there's That's more than one stormtrooper. It's one of these. It's one of these weird creatures in Mos Eisley. He's got a really long nose. And oh, the, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> the actor doesn't know what he's doing, and so he, he he's gesturing for them. And how many times have you smacked yourself in the nose as you're giving somebody directions? It was I a totally see that guy. And yeah. he's got like goggles or something. He's like a goggle thing with an elephantine kind of nose. I totally can see that. Dingus, what's the name of that character? Garen Dan. I have his card in Star Wars cards. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's wardrobe malfunction when Greedo gets shot because <laughs> thing gets blood on it. And another one is um, in "It's a Wonderful Life" when Donna Reed loses her uh, her bathrobe and has to hide behind a bush. Does she feel a perfect ass? <laughs> yes, she does. It's her own. I haven't seen that movie. I kind of wish there'd been a wardrobe malfunction in the Charlie and Chocolate Factory for the blueberry chick. Like if her thing had popped, and so then you just see her stomach, but it's blue. Is that going to be the room? I didn't know where you were going with that. Veruca Salt. Stop it. <laughs> They're winning. All right, so Dingus, those were our wardrobe malfunctions. What do you have to follow up with for next week's 3x3? Three three? All right, these are your favorite crowd scenes. Kelly Wan, do you have any questions about what constitutes a crowd or whether or not CG qualifies or can it be, you know, what does the crowd have to consist of? Any questions like that, Kelly Wand? Yeah. Are three people a crowd or are they company? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Crowd scenes. If you have ideas for your favorite crowd. <laughs> what is a mob versus a crowd? Uh, yeah. A mob has a hood. What about the in crowd with Susan Ward's boobs? Mm-hmm. That's my number one. <gasps> what? Okay. Well, send your picks to 3x3, that's 3x3, three at 3com We'd love to read them on the air. We love hearing what you think of these. Um, we will be here next week with our picks for favorite crowd scenes. And we will be seeing. Uh, did we decide on the call? It seems like so long ago. Yeah, we will be seeing The Call. Surely there's other movies called The Call, right? This can't be the first movie called The Call. I bet if you were to go to IMDb and type in The Call, you would get at least five movies. When a stranger the calls. No, not just with words. I, I, I mean, come on, it's got to be a common name. And I bet of those five movies, oh, at least two of them are some sort of like Christian productions about people like 
responding to the call of God or something. That's my prediction. So check that out. Dead calm. That does not qualify because it only has one L. But it's a crowd because it's got three characters in it. Oh, oh, you're back on that three by three, right? Uh, I don't know. You know what? Yeah, put that put that in uh, in your list, Kelly Wan. We'll see. I'm never aware. Uh, so we will be seeing The Call, which uh, stars Halle Berry, directed by Brad Anderson, which at least two of us on this podcast are, are a fan of, and the third of us isn't quite sure who that is. Um. I know who Bra- <laughs> Who's Halle Berry? <laughs> uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Malinsky. It's Christian Morosky. I got most of the syllables right. And... Kelly Wand. Pay no attention to the matching carpet behind the drapes. <sighs> what a nightmare. Kelly Wand, do you have a uh, cananidote for us this week? Anything new up there? Uh, no, it was the Stephanie Meyer story. That was my cananidote. Oh, that was one hell of a cananidote. Yeah, yeah it's a tough act to follow. What do you got? Yeah, Dingus, could you, could you follow up on something like that? I feel I feel grossly inadequate compared to that cananidote. Well, I don't. Uh, the editor of uh, Oz the Great and Terrible is named Bob Morosky. Oh, I saw that. Oh. I thought of you. Why are you thinking of Dingus? Is he in relation to that, that senator from Alaska, Dingus? Is that what their yep. point is? It's the, the same one guy. Time. Oh, it's a guy. <laughs> Wait, so... Okay. Wait... Okay. <laughs> la la la. Oh, now I get it. Because uh, James Franco's character is Chinese. Here's your wand. Sorry, I mood. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. <laughs>